can I say how good it is to see everyone here this morning. It's great to be able to see people's faces. A couple of days ago, I didn't know that we would enjoy being able to celebrate this Christmas Day together in person. And for those at home joining us via the live stream, it's great that you can be with us in this way as well. Well, it is important that we step back and think about the year that's occurred in many ways. This year has been utterly unique. And in the last week or so, I think this year has really stripped us of much of the sentimentality around Christmas. It has been an incredible year of disruption and interruption and trouble for many. But in the last week or so, when we were expecting things looking clear for Christmas and a fresh start for 2021, we're hit with the disappointment and the all too familiar frustration of a COVID outbreak over Christmas. Now an interruption, a COVID outbreak at the start of school, kids might be okay with, you know, you miss out on a couple of days, a couple of weeks maybe of school, if you're lucky. But a COVID outbreak over Christmas, you wouldn't want your presence endangered. I don't think there's too many kids who missed out on presents today because of COVID, I hope. But what's happened in the last week has really been what's been happening all year. It's been a year of interruption, uncertainty and instability. And I think the best way that we can think about the year that's occurred and as a way to equip us for the year ahead, I want us to consider the words that were read to us from Matthew's account of Jesus' life. We're told in verse 23 that Mary will give birth to a son. It says in verse 23 that they will call this son Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's interesting the language there in verse 23, they will call him Emmanuel. It doesn't say, you know, Mary and Joseph, you, you only will call him Emmanuel. It says, they will call him Emmanuel. Matthew's expectation is at the birth of this child, Jesus, there will be a community wider than just Jesus' immediate family, a community wider than just those who lived in Jesus' time. Matthew conceives of a community of people like us here this very morning, with a year that we've had, with all that's occurred for each and every one of us this year, Matthew envisages people like us calling this one who was born 2,000 years ago, Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew, as he writes this account of Jesus' life, particularly a section here in chapter 1 around Jesus' birth, he recognises that the events and circumstances of Jesus' birth were the fulfilment of what God had said earlier. In fact, hundreds of years earlier, we heard a portion of that in our first reading that Julie read from Isaiah chapter 7. 
hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah and God through his prophet spoke to King Isaiah and said in the prophecy that Isaiah gave that God would destroy the kings, the kings that Ahaz dreaded. And that occurred in Ahaz's life. And so in one sense that prophecy of Isaiah 7 was fulfilled. But what we also see in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 7, 9 and 11, and indeed throughout the whole book of Isaiah, we see a larger context embedded in the prophet's mind beyond which the people when he first gave the prophecy to, beyond what they could imagine, beyond even what the very first disciples could imagine. Because there Isaiah promised that one who would come, this one who was Emmanuel, when he came, it would be the dawning of a new light. It would be a great interruption, a great interruption for the way in which our world operated. A new time, a new era, where one would enter our world who would be called Wonderful Counselor, who would be Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. As I imagined that time, as I expected that time, and in the birth of Jesus, Matthew saw that time coming to fulfilment, the King who is Saviour being born. All that we read in the details the scant details of verses 18 to 21 of Matthew chapter 1. The details of Mary carrying this child miraculously by the Holy Spirit, Joseph's faithfulness in response to the words of the angel, all of what happened in those unique events, Matthew says in verse 22, took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through his prophets. It's clear in Matthew's mind that the whole set of events that surrounded the birth of the Messiah, all that occurred in that interruption to Mary and Joseph's life was not merely an interruption to their family. It was indeed an interruption for our world. And not just for the world 2,000 years ago, but for the world forever. You see, when it says there in verse 22 that, Jesus, that the events of Jesus' birth took place to fulfil what the Lord had said, what Matthew is saying to us is that God is controlling, ordering and organising all that occurred in Jesus' birth and indeed in his life. And that's a theme in Matthew's Gospel. What is happening in Jesus' life is fulfilling what God has said four times in Matthew's narrative of Jesus' birth. The word fulfilled is used because what Matthew is showing us is what God promises, what he has promised hundreds of years before, has come into being in the birth of this baby. This baby, Jesus, what God intended, has come into reality. And so Christmas 
is a great celebration <clears throat> of Jesus' birth and a great reminder that God is in control, that he's in control of our world and the events of our world. It must have been absolutely chaotic for Mary and Joseph at this time, moving as they did from home toward a census there in Bethlehem, pregnant as Mary was on a donkey, utterly chaotic for this family, unusual, and yet, in all that was occurring in that family's life, God was in control. And that same God is in control of our world and the chaos of our families and our lives and our circumstances. And the angel had a word for Joseph in the middle of his chaos, in the middle of the unexpected, in the middle of forces outside his control being exerted upon him. He had a word. And the word for Joseph was, do not fear. And I think that word is a word for us as well. Our lives have been interrupted. And there's many things that we can't control. Forces outside of us are exerted upon us. We can attempt to control little bits of our lives. But we know we can't control our own lives and we certainly can't control the world. But God controls our lives. He knows our lives. Our world is under his sovereign hand and everything that occurs in our world is because of his will and his good purpose. And so the word for the, the word to us in the unexpected, just as it was for Joseph, the word for us is do not fear, because God is in control. But why are we not to fear? Well, we're not to fear because God is with us. That's ultimately why. And that's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas is not simply that God is in control, as true and as good as that is. The message of Christmas is in many ways far more beautiful and far more incredible that this God who has made our world, this God that controls our world, this God is with us. That's what I want to touch on in just three quick points. I want to think about God. I want to think about him being with us. And I want to think about who is the us. So firstly... God is with us. This is the meaning of Christmas, really. As plain and simple as you can get that the creator, the creator of our world, the creator of our universe has become a human being. And really everything else is secondary to that ultimate reality. When Jesus is introduced at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, right away we have every indication he's God. We're told there in verse 21 that the birth, that in the birth of Jesus and in the naming, he will be the one who saves us from our sins. 
It is only God who can save us from our sins. And as you read Matthew's Gospel, there are many opportunities you have to see in Matthew's mind that Jesus is God. He will be the one who says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven because who can forgive sins but God alone? It's not an easy claim. Well, in one sense it is. Many people, many philosophies, many cults, their key figure, their central authority has claimed to be divine. But what's interesting is that of those early followers of Jesus, those who decided to worship Jesus as God, they didn't come from the kind of culture that many of us come from. Some of us come from Eastern cultures, which have a sense that God is in everything. Pantheism, it's called. God is a force that permeates our lives and things in our world. That was not the world of those that first followed Jesus. Nor was the world of the Greeks and Romans the same world. The Greeks and Romans were polytheists. They believed in many gods. That God could come into their world dressed up as a human. Gods like Zeus and Hermes. But the Jews, those first disciples of Jesus, they weren't pantheists and they weren't polytheists. The Jews believed in the God of the Bible. And in the God of the Bible, God is an uncreated being. He is a person who is separate from the creation that he has made. He is infinitely greater than the creation that he has made. And so, for those very first believers to even entertain the idea that Jesus was God in human flesh, that is an incredible possibility. In fact, it was insane for them to even conceive of it. That's why throughout Matthew's Gospel and all the Gospels, really, they keep on saying when they meet Jesus and they see what he does, they keep saying, who is this? Because in many ways, the Gospel is just an account of people coming to grips with the reality as they see a man healed. As they see a young girl raised from the dead, they're coming to grips with the reality that Jesus is in fact God himself, that to see Jesus is to see God the Father. And those that did, those early disciples, as they came to grips with this hard reality, they were willing to die for that truth and for that conviction. See, Christmas helps us make sense of Christianity. It helps us make sense of the miracles, the exclusive claims, and the need to trust and rest in him. Because he is God with us. He's not just a force like God. He's not just one of many gods. He is the God who has come as a baby. One that you might have held and one that we can all get to know because God is with us in the person of Jesus. When we get to know Jesus in the pages of the Bible, we get to know God.
So firstly, he's God. Secondly, he's with us. This great God with all his majesty, infinitely greater than anything in his world. He has come in a form where he can be, be with us. Sometimes uh, when we're in nature, perhaps in the ocean with the waves crashing or a beautiful sunset or view down a valley, sometimes out there we can get a sense of God's presence. Many people say, I feel the presence of God in those situations. But that's not what we see here in Matthew's Gospel as Matthew says that God is with us. He's not just like a presence somehow. He's actually with us as a person that you can meet personally. Up until Jesus' birth, to get into the presence of God was utterly terrifying. A smoking furnace, a pillar of fire, a tornado, a whirlwind. There was a distance. But as Jesus has come, as God has come in Jesus, that gap has been closed. And if you meet Jesus, you meet God. You meet God himself. And he's with us. You notice that it doesn't say he's with all. Thirdly, he says he's with us. Who are the us? Well, in the Gospel of Matthew, the us are not an exclusive supergroup of moral, very good people who are ultra-religious. No, the us are those who want to be with God. The us are those who have been invited. The us are those who are humble, humble to come to him. Who comes to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew? It's the sick. It's the needy, it's the poor, it's the sinful. God is with us. He's not with all. He's with us who know that we need a saviour, that we need someone to save us from our sins. And so that means something for us at Christmas. If God has come to us, what do we do as we rejoice in Jesus' birth? When we get near him, we get close to him. He has come to us and he invites all. And so this Christmas, can I ask you, are you willing to come close? Are you willing to come to Jesus, to come to him in trust, to leave behind anything that would stop you from coming? He's done everything to come to us, and so we must do everything we can to come to him. I know many of us this year have felt like our lives have been interrupted, and they have. But 2,000 years ago, our world was interrupted, and it was the greatest interruption our world has ever known. And when God comes to us in the Lord Jesus, when Emmanuel is with us, nothing can change that. Not the circumstances of this year, nor any disease, nor any disaster. Because when God is with us, 
He's with us always. That's how Matthew finishes his gospel account. As Jesus, after his death and resurrection, sends out his followers. He sends out his followers to spread the word of Emmanuel, the one who has come, the one who has died, and the one who was raised again. He concludes and he says this, Surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. The Lord Jesus was Emmanuel in his birth. And in the chaos and in the confusion of our world this year, he is with us. And so we can take heart. We can take comfort. And we can trust in him. Amen.